Q-Time is a classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Thank you guys for what you do. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. Yeah. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, two tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Yeah. He know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lock yeah. and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Doctorville <laughs> inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Vincent, as we turn it on just like that. Uh, welcome to episode 388 and inside the HBC Sports Live radio show and podcast with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. The show that is covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports for institutions large and small. From the NEIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is still out on assignment, but we're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live. Case Waves 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper in a beautiful home at Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that being said, Charles, how you doing today as you're trying to close out the semester, both as a student on one side, doctoral student that is, and as an adjunct professor on the other side, grades got to be in, final examinations, a lot going on in your life right now. There's a whole lot going on. You see, I kind of have the eyes forward right now, so uh, I'm looking forward. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a, a happy Friday to get uh, to get this uh, stuff behind me, but we got a lot of great action this weekend. A lot of good sports to look forward to. A lot of baseball. Uh, we got tournaments going on. So it's going to be a fun weekend for some sports. I agree with you, no doubt about it. As cheating over here a little bit as you have uh, the game, game time, if you would. You know how we premiere the game time on Saturdays. We got BCSN, my JBN network, as they are showcasing the SIC baseball tournament. Don't turn it over there yet, or like they said, with all these people with these functional, you know, you can watch both duo put the TV screen with the volume down on one mm-hmm. uh, in terms of your iPad, if you would, or your phone, and then have us on the other with the volume up. We'll make sure you get updates as things get going uh, in this uh, final game of the day. Uh, we got some good news we can share with you and tell you a little bit in regards to the fact that uh, we have a champion that was named. So many sports going on. Softball, NIA level, softball at the NCAA Division II level, softball coming up at the Division I level and SWAC this weekend. Uh, uh, next week, I should say, you got track and field this weekend. It's yeah. Prairie View, a lot going on. But before I share with you, get the update. Today's episode of Inside the HT Sports Lab is sponsored by THE Agency. LLC, THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. Uh, with that being said, let me get this completed. L. Waters, as they transition over from the NIA to the NCAA Division II, they come over with style, particularly in terms of softball, getting it done. Uh, the women uh, of Edward Waters, those Tigers, come in as the one seed in the East, and they make it hold up. Uh, as they get it done and, 
in the championship today over Tuskegee Golden Tigers. Uh, wow. They that first game, they did not have Tuskegee, couldn't force a second one. Through uh, undefeated in the tournament, 43 or 40 plus wins, 43 and 19 and three uh, over the season, uh, defeating uh, almost a 30 win uh, Tuskegee Golden Tigers team in terms of what the Tiger Ritz is. They like to be called on that side. Um, they a big game against Spring Hill that uh, in the extra innings went 12. Um, and then they exploded for four runs in the uh, 12th inning of that game that kept them in the winning bracket, if you would, the undefeated bracket. Uh, and they just got it done. And Spring Hill lost, obviously, to Tuskegee to put them out and put Tuskegee in the championship game. But Tuskegee had a great run, couldn't quite get it done. Uh, as congratulations goes out to Edward Waters, Tigers, as they win the SIEC championship. Essentially, the first year full membership in the conference. Shout out to them. I wanted to put that out there and kind of jump out in front of that. With that being said, give you a chance uh, to see what type of news that you want to share with the people today. Yeah, let's take a look at it. We mentioned there are our, our championship tournaments going on, especially with regards to softball. So the bracket has been set for the 2023 CIAA softball championship. The CIAA announced the field for its 2023 softball championship, the single elimination tournament featuring the top eight CIAA teams based on conference winner percentage will begin uh, this past Tuesday, uh, May 2nd, with quarterfinal action uh, on the campus of the higher seed advancing. So uh, all quarterfinal games will begin at 1 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. This year's field is led by top overall seed. Bowie State who finished the regular season with a 14-2 and Conference record on their way to claiming their first CIAA championship since a title since 2009. So the Bulldogs will host number eight seed Virginia Union, uh, which is six and ten in CIAA. And I believe uh, uh, when we take a look at that, that they started this past Tuesday, uh, Bowie State has already advanced uh, uh, beyond that first round game there. Yeah, good stuff when you talk about the CIAA. More interesting how that shakes out. While they take the top eight teams, they take the top eight teams with the best record, but they play the season, if you would, in regards to the Northern Division and the Southern Division. So uh, Bowie State, as you talked about, what they were to get done, they have a season where they uh, won over 30 games, 32 and 30, the exact, uh, going 14 and 2 in the conference play. So it's going to be fascinating what that looks like with the Northern Division seeming to be a little more top-heavy than what in the Southern Division. Um, so fascinating to see how that will all down when you had Elizabeth City State and Virginia State, for example, they both went 10 and 6 in the conference play. But you get in the Southern Division where you have teams such as Clap. It couldn't quite get the 30 wins. Obviously, first win has that they had 29 and 10. Five game winning streak. So they come in pretty hot in two of what they've done. Winston Salem State at 12 and 4. And Fayetteville State 10 and 6 uh, to give you those teams that come in the tournament with winning conference record, uh, at least in terms of what they were able to get done. So fascinating. Seems like the criminal Bowie State, Clafton, Winston Salem State, mainly in Bowie State. It'd be interesting to see uh, how that plays out in terms. Of, and fascinating that you mentioned they start on Tuesday, get a couple of days, bring it back. And finish, you know, the first, the last part of the tournament, uh, Friday and Saturday over the weekend, if you would, in that facet. So interesting to see when you go through all these different conferences that feature HBCU programs, whether it's your traditional HBCU conferences, as we like to have them called, or uh, those independent programs playing in conferences that uh, are full of historically white colleges uh, and different from the Division Two, Division One, or NAA in terms of whether you take the top eight, whether you take all teams, all of them basically have the double elimination format. Uh, do you have the crossover effect? And it's interesting to see kind of how that plays out in the tournament. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm always curious when you get in this tournament format. You know, just uh, the fun part, at least, is trying to look and see uh, where an upset could possibly happen. Uh, and, and I think that's the fun stuff, especially when you start taking a look at 
uh, where teams are with regards to their seedings, things of that nature, to see if there is, just like basketball, is there a, a diamond in the rough that can catch lightning in a bottle, if you will, and, and ride it all the way to the final uh, championship game. So uh, coming in in a particular seed, uh, that, that's uh, always a fairly interesting uh, to, to see where teams are, where they can come in, and where hopefully they can get hot at. Good stuff, good stuff. Do you have any data points that you've seen over the years of where you can kind of look for some upsets, certain seedings or certain pitching offense type of matchups? Uh, as you said, it's, it's interesting when you get into these upsets. Anything that you kind of look for that says, hey, these are things that you want to look at for the fans out there in terms of what could lend to an upset? You know, when I take a look at baseball, uh, to me, it's the, uh, the, the, the guys that thumb the ball. They're the, they're the, they're the sort of the slow pitch. They just constantly throw off speed stuff. That's kind of what I keep an eye on with regards to those opening games to see if they can get those, uh, hot bats out in front on, on their front foot, things of that nature. And they're just off balance all game and they can kind of ride the momentum of having a great mm-hmm. start from one of those, you know, lefties who just throws nothing but off speed stuff. Or those uh, right hand side side winders, those those guys who just throw sinkers and you just hit balls constantly into the ground. And if they can get a good first couple of games, uh, those are the teams that just kind of ride the wave, if you will. And and, and you just never know what could happen in the tournament. I always kind of uh, pay attention to those, you know, four or five C's and that a pitcher you really hadn't heard of, and all of a sudden. You know, he, he throws a lights out game one performance and it puts the team on their heels. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let me stick with you and give some other updates. What are some other news uh, that you wanted to share with the folks that's kind of hot uh, that has your interest right now? Yeah, let's take a look at Reggie Barlow, the HBCU lifer. He was named the XFL. I like, where you going? Coach of the year, the DC Defenders head coach Reggie Barlow has been named the 2023 XFL Coach of the Year after leading his team to the best record in the league under Barlow. The Defenders won the XFL North Division Championship and boasted a 9-1 regular season record. They led the league in scoring 29.6 points per game. They were also tops in the rushing offense, averaging 140 yards per game, and were number two in the XFL in total offense. Uh, the defenders were in seven games decided by, get this, Doc, one possession and fared an impressive six and one in those contests. So, of course, Reggie Barlow is one of four black coaches in the A-team XFL. The longtime HBCU coach credits his success to the playing and coaching experience at Alabama State. Of course, you know, he had a stellar career uh, as a player and a coach at Alabama State. Also spent time at Virginia State as well, now coaching for the D.C. Defenders. So he is the XFL Coach of the Year. Yeah, good stuff. One thing that I really can appreciate, Reggie Barlow, you see a lot of HBCU graduates, um, obviously, when they're asked about HBCUs and a connection. Um, but he is up front in terms of uh, his past history with HBCUs, obviously, as an alumni, SWAC, Alabama State, his coaching stint as a head coach at Alabama State and then Virginia State. Uh, during his interviews, he seems to be able to find a way to make that connection, that he is mm-hmm. HBCU connected and, and proud of it. I happened to see him a couple of times on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max in the morning as I get going in the day. Uh, one of the things that I catch up with, um, uh, him and Keyshawn obviously played. People may not realize, but probably by now I've kind of heard that they played together uh, as wide receivers, so they have a great connection. So mm. um, they make sure that he comes on there and talks about, obviously, the success he's had this season with the team uh, in terms of getting the coach of the year in XF, as you just mentioned. But it's fascinating. And, and on that show, he does a lot to make sure he mentions uh, HBCU and his connection there. And it's funny him talking about that relationship with John, and they, 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 they talk about some of them days, and they have you rolling real quick right there. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing like listening to those old NFL stories. I, I tell you, those players, they can spin yarns for days. So. <laughs> well, on the other side, the APR scores are back. Oh! With COVID, you know, a little alleviation. We didn't have to bring those up for a while. So uh, they're back again, and, and they're kind of doing what they do. APR scores are out for HBCUs. Uh, here how, here's how uh, college 
football teams perform. You know, we have them for all areas. You can go to the NCAA site and get those. Some better than not. But just in general thoughts so you get some updates on this. The NCAA Academic Progress Report was recently released, and the numbers are mixed bag for HBCU basketball football. This is coming from HBCU Sports. On the promising end, several HBCU clips, the NCAA 930 benchmark score during 2021-20 academic year. Remember, it's a four-year rolling period. Uh, so it goes back four years from that 21-22, and they reported the year uh, before the actual year that we are in now. The next highest HBCU, uh, coming after Howard, which was the co-champion, tallied 962. So a credit to Howard in terms of what they were able to do, get the co-champion and still do it uh, with their APR scores. Uh, highest of any HBC football program. Next highest was Norfolk State, which mm. also competes in the MEAC with a 957. Kudos to uh, those involved at Norfolk State to getting that. In the SWAC, you have Grambling football led the way with a score of 948 followed by Alcorn State at 45, Southern at 944, and Jackson State at 944. Oh, wow. HBCU men basketball, Texas Southern, winning championships, but also getting it done in terms of the APR score. A 969 score topped all black college hoops program. In the MEAC, South Carolina State received a 960 score to lead uh, the conference. Hampton and North Carolina A&T which both play in the Colonial, received scores of 931, 925, respectively. Uh, uh, the overall score of all Division I athletes held steady at 984, despite slight decreases in the three most visible sports, according to the latest four-year results on Tuesday, to give you a little ups there. Talking about women's side, national athletes in football, men's basketball, each numbers dropped by two points, falling 962 to 967. That's football, men's basketball, while women's basketball players saw a one-point drop at 982. Baseball scores nationally remain unchanged at 977. This to give you a correlation of what that meant across the board. Remember, APA scores are based on scholarship athletes earning one point each semester. They're academically eligible, and another point each semester, they remain in school or earn their diploma. So that's going to be interesting of how this all figures out, obviously, with the uh, transfer portal. Uh, teams that consistently fall below the cut line of 930 are normally subjected to penalties, but the NCA will again impose penalties starting in 2024-2025 school year after the COVID-19 suspension ends in terms of not uh, punishing teams in terms of the HBC score. So one thing to think about there, just so you get an understanding of that, lastly, the NCAA attributes the decline in men's and women's basketball and football scores to more players being ineligible to compete during the 21-22 season instead of those leaving school. So just to give you an update on that, lastly, before we go to this first break and come back on the other side, we have a new coach, Cochran State, who's legend and former NBA player to replace Juan Dixon after the Juan Dixon era came to a disastrous end <laughs> this past season. Cobb State wow. University men's basketball team will be led by a program legend. The Eagles hired Larry Stewart, the star of the school's first NCAA tournament team in 1990. That's pretty cool that he gets a chance to lead his team as a head coach, replacing Dixon, who Tinger was clouded by losing records and ongoing catfishing scandals, who was fired in March. Stewart, 54, was a two-time Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Player of the Year in 1998 and 91. In 1990, the Philadelphia native averaged 18.7 points, 11.2 rebounds per game as the Eagles finished 26-7 and overall, 15-1 and in the MEAC. Remember those matchups and defeated North Carolina A&T 54-50 in the conference title game to clinch the first NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, after college, Stewart signed a rookie free agent with the Washington Bullets, along with Virginia Union's A.J. English, made the Bullets uh, the last NBA team with two HBC players on the same team. Intriguing history right there. Stewart played five seasons in the NBA with the Bullets and Seattle Supersonics, averaging 7.4 points and four rebounds per game before spending 11 seasons in Europe playing professionally. Stewart has been an assistant at Bowie State, Morgan State, Maryland, Eastern Shore. Prior to taking the Cotton State position, one he considers to be his dream job, and you can see why. Quote, I bled blue and gold. End quote, Stewart told Jerry Bembry and Anscape late last month. 
quote, I've learned a lot as an assistant and the skills I picked up running a program and building relationships with players would help if I got the job, end quote. And obviously now he got it. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, kudos to Coach as he gets it done and gets his hand, Coach Larry Stewart. With that, we'll be right back after this first break. With us, we'll be back on the other side. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Since 2000. Turn to analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who's about, so listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Gaville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with A.D. Drew. Um, he is there actually in Albany uh, for the SIAC baseball tournament. Got a chance to uh, see some of the softball as well. So we're going to give him some updates. So he's going to be able to give you uh, not only what goes on at the Division II level, especially in the SIAC with get into some of the softball. We talked about the champion of the SIC, but before we do that, uh, we gave a little update in terms of CIAA and some of those matchups. I wanted to ask you as uh, one of what we refer to as the Division II HBCU guru, as well as NIA, as you specialize in following these teams, making sure you keep it up statistically what's going on there. So just wanted to get your general thoughts in terms of CIAA. I talked about Bowie State really going in, in there um, in terms of their gaudy uh, non-conference and conference record uh, as they're probably the preferred. They certainly go in there as the number one seed in terms of what they were getting done. Uh, and they faced up uh, Virginia Union out of their own northern. What are your thoughts in some of the things that's going on in CIAA? Any team particularly outside of Bowie State? Uh, that you want to keep your eyes on, or is that the team you're expecting to get it done? Well, uh, outside of Bowie State, let's keep an eye on Claflin. Claflin is a top five team in the Black College Sports Network ranking, so that would be the one other team that I would say has a more than a puncher's chance of beating Bowie State. The team with the puncher's chance would be Fayetteville State, you know, uh, CIAA, interesting how they do their schedule. I, I did listen to the first segment. They play north and south during the regular season, but they don't take four and four. You would think if you went north and south, you would take the top four in the north, the top four in the south, or which, which i.e. is what DSAC does is softball because they have east and west. They take the top four each side. But also SIAC and baseball says everybody play everybody one series and we go take the top eight because everybody's played everybody. So you would think if they go take the top eight, they would make everybody play everybody 
once because it need, it's kind of unfair because the schedule schedule is not balanced. You may have stronger teams in one division or another, so you really can't say is if you get five from the north and three from the south. And I'm just using that because I really I don't know the breakdown off the top of my head. But you know, is that really fair and equitable because of how the schedule is unbalanced? Yeah, I. I find it fascinating when you talk about what just goes on one conference yeah. to the other conference. Charles, you yeah. want to follow up with a question? Yeah, and I, I want to follow up. You were talking about Claflin and uh, Fayetteville State. Uh, what is it about those teams in terms of them having a puncher's chance? Is it the is it the hitting? Is it the pitching? Uh, what is it uh, that uh, that they bring to the table that could challenge Bull? The, the one thing that I have noticed with the softball that I have seen this year most of these teams can hit. All the everybody has mm. a pitcher. You know, the good teams have two or three. Mm. What has separated the good teams from the average teams from the great teams is mistakes. Are you making a mistake when when you've got a run, yeah. when you've got runners on first and second with nobody out, and everybody in the stadium knows that next girl is getting ready to get up there and bunt. Sure. Does she pop the ball up on the bunt? Or does she bunt the ball so hard where you where you get to out at third base and you don't get to advance the run? Uh, or let's flip that. When the girl uh, feels the ball and tries to get that out at third base or at first base, does Bro, the ball wide right. up at left field <laughs> right. or right field? Mm-hmm. I, I had a play today in the championship game, and we'll come back to this. Totally changed the momentum of the game. Mm. Uh, and Rewards was up at that point on Tuskegee four to two. They had bases loaded with nobody out. Ground ball to the shortstop. Or no, ground ball to the third baseman was the first play. Force out at the plate. No, no problem. Didn't even try yes. to get the run at first. Get the lead run, get the knock, knock the run down the plate. Next batter came up. Ground ball to the shortstop. Ball she, she would have had to be Shaq on a ladder to try to catch that ball. The ball just <laughs> the ball just flew out of her hand. You know, it was obviously not intentional, but the ball just flew out of her hand halfway up the backstop, allowed two runs to score. Oh, that wow. total Tuskegee was now two nothing. If they get out there in without a run scoring defensively, the momentum changes because of uh, of your defense. With, Absolutely. with the top with the top of your lineup coming up in the next inning. But because of that, now you're deflated. So that's what I mean. That's what that's what the difference is. The teams that win minimize those mistakes. If they make if they have an error, the error is with two outs and they're able to get and they're able to go ahead and get that third out without a run scored. Instead of the error coming with already a run on and nobody out, and now you open yourself up to a big end. That that is a perfect illustration because that's the biggest thing I see watching college games, whether it's baseball or softball versus and you get a chance to see the Major League Baseball. You know, you can see an error in Major League Baseball. Very seldom does it cost a team in terms of runs in the inning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at this level, I always look at the two outs play. Can you close out an inning or can you rally with two outs? Mm-hmm. And the team that can do either one tends to be the team that uh, has a little more success of winning. And it's compounded when you can't get that two outs because of this error. You know, it yeah. doesn't just become one run. It's a multiple one, and you get those crooked letters. That Snowball. Tell you about yeah. yeah. As, especially when your pitcher is pitching a good game or has pitched, pitched themselves out of a jam. They've gotten the strikeout. They've gotten that ground ball. They've gotten that pop-up you need, and you can't finish the play. Because remember, it takes a catch a throw and a catch on the other end most of the time to get that out. And sometimes one of those three does not go as planned. Out of curiosity, because I've seen this, especially with college baseball, um, uh, players tend to get, uh, uh, tend to speed up uh, for whatever reason. I, I don't know uh, if that, if that causes more errors or whatever the case might be, but in a mm-hmm. rush to make a throw in a rush to make a play, uh, they, they they tend to get out of control and for whatever reason 
the play is sped up in their head. And I can't figure out why exactly that happens so much, uh, especially in terms of college baseball, especially HBCU baseball. I don't, I don't know, you know, what I can attribute that to, but I, I've just noticed, you know, routine plays. You mentioned uh, that, that wheel play on the bunt, you know, in terms of trying to get that out at, at, at first or third. Uh, but it, it's just curious to me that uh, these players tend to speed up that play a lot more in the head. I can tell you, I can tell you one observation. Have you seen the speed that we play with? And I don't mean you talk about speeding it up. Have you actually seen these players run? Yeah. These players get down that line. Yeah, yeah. So knowing that this player, we'll, we'll take baseball, that somebody can go get to first base in three point three or less. Yeah. You know you better feel that ball clean, and you and you bet you better get it on on a clean hop. Charge the ball, don't let the hop come to you, and you better get you better get it out out your glove real fast. Because mm-hmm. if not, you're gonna rush it. You're gonna throw it in the ground. You're gonna throw it over the first baseman's head, left, right, whatever. And you better hope the first baseman is about six four and can stretch. Because <laughs> we play we play with speed because we do the little league thing. They get on first base. What they doing nine times out there? First pitch. They gone. Holler. Yeah, yeah. Holler. Because, because of the style that we play, it tends to lead to more mistakes. Since we watch ourselves play each other, we see those mistakes. But when we play other teams, it speeds them up. Also, they're able to make those mistakes. But the problem is those teams tend to probably pitch a little bit better than us or make the initial defensive play a little bit better than us. So we never get the opportunity to put that pressure on them. Because when we put that pressure on them, on those teams that are non-HBCU, we tend to do good if we can get runners on. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good breakdown. Questions, great comments. It reminds me of the play that's been kind of um, talked about this week, bad and good, uh, really yesterday when the shortstop uh, was in the play at first base and threw the ball up. Uh, and then was able to throw them. Obviously, oftentimes you see in the big leagues, the players are not quite as fast as we see, to your credit, A.D. Drew. But one thing that I talked about in that is um, sometimes the play of that is a way to calm a player down. I think he was showboating a little bit. But also tossing up forces you to keep that concentration to play all the way through. Because I think people forget that baseball is one of those sports um, that it's about doing things over and over but you don't always get those plays all the time. You're waiting for the opportunity the ball to come to you. And if you don't find yourself emotionally ready all the time, and you're talking about young people, and we know anything about young folks that have kids or had teenagers or work with young folks, um, you know how fast their mind can you, especially in this current generation where things are coming so fast in terms of how they act on social media. Microwave society. So you're asking folks. Right. So you ask them to – felt in such a way as you said to slow yeah. down. Heard, so I wonder I how much of that kind of play. <laughs> 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 and then he's not the Miles College Gamers and told you Kentucky State, just to give you an update at, at, at three and three after one inning, getting the second inning and it looks like um Kentucky State is threatening a little bit there in terms of the bases loaded. But we'll give you some updates as that goes on. And we'll come back and have you AD Drew for this second segment before you do I wanted to finish out a little bit of the SIC softball. You got to see some of that, obviously, the championship game today. You called that. Uh, give us a little update of just what you thought in terms of softball play, particularly in terms of Edward Waters coming over in the SIC at the Division II level and getting it done and getting a championship uh, in softball program. Edward Waters claiming their first softball conference crown since 2015 when they were in NAIA program and when the GCAC still sponsored softball. So congratulations to Ever Water. Last year, they made the C, the CAA tournament as an independent mm-hmm. in, the, in the NAIA. This year, they captured the SIAC championship, but will not be going on to the NCAA tournament because mm-hmm. since they are still in their transition mode, Tuskegee, by virtue of beating Spring Hill, on yesterday, we'll be the SIAC representative Great in the up- upcoming uh, NCAA tournament. And let's be real, Tuskegee is going to be an AC because they, ba- especially with them backdooring their way in, losing today. 
you know, right. uh, and I, I don't know how much time we've got before we go to the break, but there's there's a there's a couple of interesting storylines in that particular game that I'd like to get into, but I don't want I don't want to take us over. We'll hold over and take a break. We'll come back. Before we get into the baseball talk, we'll let you tell that story because I certainly want to get those intriguing updates out. I think people will need to hear a little bit about uh, more about the softball HBCU. So it's a great time while we got you on to make sure we get that plug. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about the baseball in terms of SIC. But before we do that, we'll let AD tell us a little bit about those nuggets as he shares some insight about the SIC tournament and from a softball and baseball perspective. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this second break. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow yeah, and who's about, So listen to Professor Yesa yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach us. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC. Uh, Eddie Drew, continue with the story. You know, I had that dramatic pause, but we want to set it up for this conclusion that you're going to get to. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Tuskegee University head coach Dietrich Randall, third season uh, as coach at Tuskegee. Second, second That's crazy when you talk about he was the pitching couple It's crazy. Good job. Yeah, yeah, that was the Edward coach. But but Coach Coach Randall, three seasons at, uh, on the Tuskegee bench, three conference championships. Lost as an assistant wow. coach in in 2019. Uh, took over after the passing of head coach uh, Edward Calvin. Edward Calvin, who won at, in basketball and in softball, he won four conference championships as an assistant coach in basketball. Took over the softball program. Won three conference championships in softball from 14 to 16. Hired Randall. Randall took over from him, won a conference championship the first season coming out of COVID, and once again this year was in the cha- the championship game. Bring that all up to say, 10 seasons in, in the SIAC, Tuskegee has appeared in not one, not two, not three, not four, but not five, but six championships. Wow. In 10 in 10 seasons in SIAC uh, ball. Here's the asterisk to that, Dr. Cavill. Two years, they didn't have SIAC championship because of COVID. <laughs> oh, That's wow. Right. Wow. So, four, four conference titles, two runners up. Six out of eight competitive seasons, Tuskegee has been in the final. Man, kudos to Tuskegee softball program. Good stuff. Good nuggets. Go ahead, Charles. So the question becomes, has the balance of power shifted to Edward Waters, especially, and you brought out this point, uh, Edward Waters now no longer in in AI, AI, uh, but uh, playing uh, on NCAA level, has that upgraded the talent? So uh, the question becomes, uh, potential talent upgrade, does that mean the balance of power has shifted in the SIAC? We shall see. Year one. Not yet. We'll see. I'm pulling out my inner Mike Washington. There's not enough of a data point. Right now, this is a blip. This is an aberration right now. There's not enough of a data point. Keep in mind, Tuskegee and Spring Hill had played in in the three previous conference championship games. So, and guess who played in the semifinals yesterday? 
Tuskegee Spring Hill. Tuskegee and Spring Hill. Had played in, yep. in, in the semifinals. So I can't say the power has shifted yet to Edward Waters. They still got the program at the school where I'm at on the other side to contend with that being Albany State. They've got to consistently be at Albany State on the east side before they could talk about contending with the Miles, a Tuskegee, and a Spring Hill for the three powers on the west side. And then you've got this up and coming called Lane that just came out of nowhere this year. So Tuesday went into that tournament. I had confidence that six of the eight teams in that tournament could win them. And mm-hmm. you don't really say that about baseball or softball where depending on hitting, fielding, pitching, matchups, six out of the eight teams could realistically walk away and you would not be disappointed as a fan and say it was an upset. Good stuff. Let's jump over here to the SIC baseball, uh, obviously, in terms of this. You set this up uh, early in the year, coming down to that last weekend with uh, Albany State oh, and Spring good Hill. <laughs> uh, 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 I, he, I, I'm sitting here in right field. He made, he, he made a diving catch going towards the right field line, caught it, then turned and wheeled and got it back to the infield. The runner was able to advance, but – that ball gets past him. That clears the base. Hey, you got your journey nice. on. Why don't you just go to the bullpen, man, and just start warming up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go in the coaches, go in the booth, and do some more calling. <laughs> like he got the microphone uh, calling the game, play by play. Good stuff. I'm sorry. Andy I'm Drew, sorry, you, you got me. No, you got me excited as Miles College is still uh, five three, but they got the bases loaded, even though they got the one out. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But as I was saying, you talked about, hey, it was going to come down to that Spring Hill Albany State game. And it certainly did. And last week, I told everybody it's going to be fascinated about that matchup because it's going to determine the second and third seed. And that's exactly what happened. Albany State, the Golden Rams got it done in fashion. They swept Spring Hill, winning the first two games. They were close games, if you would, uh, in terms of very competitive games. The third one, Golden Rams kind of won going away. Uh, but it pushed Spring Hill. Uh, to third in the matchup still means that two and three Savannah State and Spring Hill things play out according to the brackets they'll face each other uh, first uh, in fact they face each other uh, tomorrow uh, with that 10 o'clock game uh, in in terms of that matchup after the loose teams ever water the lane face up in the morning as well so it's interesting to see what that's going to look like in terms of uh, but as this is getting going, talk a little bit about that closing series between Albany State, Spring Hill, uh, before we take our last break. And does that victory essentially put Albany State in the NCAA Division II tournament, or do they still have to win this tournament to get in? B. Wow. Choice B. They still, they, they would still need to win the tournament to get in. They're sitting as the number eight in the region right now. You know, okay. So, so if they were top four, that explains region, it. You're right. Yeah. So right now, they they they, they need they need the automatic. And but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you ask your question in a second, y'all. Mm-hmm. Albany State almost screwed up today because they started the number three against Tuskegee, and Tuskegee jumped out <laughs> early on them before yeah Tuskegee before saw, t- uh, yeah. Albany State uh, finally uh, finally opened it up. And I and I talked to Scott Hemmings for the head coach at Albany State for a minute after the game. He's like, man, they, they deserve to win that game. I don't know how oh. we came back and won it, but we we but we did. So trying to yeah. set your pitching matchups with the bats sometimes. too and Tuskegee. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, Tim running sometimes. fifteen, but uh, the first four or five innings, Tuskegee had the momentum. Yeah, no, I watched exactly. that as you called it. It was good. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm real curious about this, AD. I mean, especially you take a look at Albany State, they lead statistically, uh, pitching, batting, fielding percentage. Uh, is there a Morehouse game out there? Is there a Savannah State game out there? Uh, two blips on the ledger for, uh, for Albany State. but And the one that just threw me completely off was the loss to Morehouse. But you mentioned Tuskegee having early on the <laughs> Do they even want to see the Morehouse this weekend? Yeah. They, they will not see the Maroon Tigers this weekend. Okay. They're lucky Tigers, they didn't make the tournament. 
They didn't make Maroon, the tournament. Yeah. Wait, Maroon Tigers did not make the tournament. Tuskegee actually made the tournament instead of the Maroon Tigers because there was an incident at a Maroon Tigers game when some players got sent to the house. They wound up losing that game and subsequent games, which allowed Tuskegee to backdoor into the tournament. Wow. And, and basically get two nights in the hotel before they head on back to Alabama. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, okay, great stuff. We'll let you go like this so you can actually get back to baseball. But thank you, for giving some insight. You can't get that anywhere else. Not like like per diem. Diem. Nothing like per diem. Nothing like per diem. Exactly. Everybody get a pizza. Set it up for to- let me set it up for tomorrow for those as we close out um, the game right now. Uh, top of the third is five to four now. In terms of the top of the third, bases loaded, two outs. Uh, Miles Cox is leading Kentucky State 5-4 in terms of this matchup. Uh, but tomorrow, game Friday, 10 a.m., uh, you have an Edward Waters game. They're playing on two fields. So you have Waters and Lane. They're in the loser bracket. So uh, somebody's going to get two in barbecue. In the winner bracket, though, you have that Spring Hill-Savannah State matchup. Spring Hill took the three early in the year. Uh, the two, that's also it. Um, that's – Two o'clock game played on two different fields. You have a two o'clock game, which is Tuskegee against the loser of tonight's game, uh, Kentucky State and Miles. Uh, and then you have another two o'clock game matchup on a different field, which is Albany State coming out on the winner's bracket. And they'll play the winner of this game, Albany State Miles College. So that kind of set things up. They do have the two late games, the bracket games, uh, in regards to six o'clock on the two different fields to get things on Friday before you get into your Saturday matchups uh, and in your championship on Sunday. With that, we'll take our last break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, thank you, Drew, for giving some invaluable updates in terms of SIAC Division II baseball and softball. Again, we'll come back on the other side, give you some updates in terms of what's going to take place this weekend in the squat. Let's see what your thoughts are, Charles, in terms of those matchup stickers. We'll be right back after this last break. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Charles. Before we get in baseball, any thoughts in the track and field championship? You know, it's been dominated by Prairie View, particularly on the women's side. Uh, outdoor the last couple of years, but all, uh, Alabama State is coming on strong. We've seen what Grambling has been able to do in terms of indoor meets. Uh, anything that you want to kind of see that goes on with the outdoor championship as it got started today, but the really big races come out with the big guns uh, tomorrow and then the championships and those uh, meets for the 100-meter dash, 4 by 4 that everybody loves. It's Saturday. Yeah. Obviously, now you have this speed from Florida, Texas involved. So that key matchup is something that a lot of people are interested. But then you have the depth of the teams like Prairie View, Alabama State, in terms of 
the field competition as well as Grambling. What do you say? And I need well, to sneak in the plug. Jackson State is quietly sneaking around yeah, yeah. about making moves in terms of where they end up as well. Well, I'm, I'm curious about this, about the, 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 the track itself out there at Prairie View. I know that they had the Olympic uh, trials, maybe it was. A- trials, yep. And they practiced out there. And so um, USA, when they had the Olympics and the World exactly. Championships, they would actually yeah. come to practice before they left. And they always come back. So you're absolutely right. That track is one of the better tracks, particularly in this region. And so um, it's it's really nice in terms of getting fast times. I was about to say, I mean, does that mean we're going to see some 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 fast times this weekend, uh, some challenges uh, to those traditional uh, uh, really good uh, track teams from Alabama State and Prairie View? Yeah, you, you kind of teased up on this switch to baseball this a weekend as we're getting down to those final weeks where um, it's really going to play out in terms of the seeding for the uh, baseball championship tournament that's in Atlanta this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so coming out of the big weekend, we talked about the Alabama uh, State and family matchup. So let me give you where teams are in terms of the seeding, the top four teams in each division. And I'll sneak in the fifth one just to let you know uh, is there any room for error in terms of that fourth spot that we talked about the previous weekend? So I'll give you the top five, five teams actually in each division. In the East, Mississippi Valley sits at six and seventeen. They're on a three-game win streak after they swept, which was big for them. Uh, you have Jackson State nine and twelve. Bethune Cookman uh, sitting in the third spot at twelve and seven. Florida A&M is sitting at fifteen and six. While State is sitting at 18 and 3. I had some texts and up from Coach Johnny Hernandez, who gave me an update that Alabama AM and Bethune Cookman will actually play four games this weekend. Mm. If you recall, one of the games a couple of weeks ago, early in the season, they couldn't get in uh, because of the rain. Well, they're going to make up one of those games. So uh, Alabama A&M has agreed that they'll play four. So the way they're going to set it up is Friday they'll play a single um, nine-inning game. On Saturday they'll play a doubleheader, two seven-inning game. And then on Sunday they will play the fourth game. So bonus baseball in Daytona for those fans around there. It's fascinating to see what that looks like. As I told you all, and some people had a question about the rain outs, because of expansion of the conference, they start a week early and they actually end a week later because now you have five series that must be played with the six teams in each division. So you don't have a lot of room for rainouts to be made up. So you have to be creative. We saw this earlier with Prairie View deciding to take uh, two of their games that were home games that were rained out. They decided to play those as week eight matchups on Tuesday and they went to Baton Rouge to get those games in. So that's the way they do it. They actually had to cancel one of their weekday games to get that in. Or you see teams that have maybe one game that they'll make up and flipping it instead of being a home game. They'll take it on the road game with the series. So you see that taking place there. Any thoughts in terms of the East Division uh, at this point? Just uh, in terms of the record. We'll get back to some of the matchups this week. Yeah, in terms of uh, the record, uh, big weekend, I think uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Bethune-Cookman. Can they get back on the winning track uh, with regards to uh, – you know, they dropped two or three last weekend against Jackson State. And very curious, uh, with regards to Jackson State FAMU, that, that weekend series, uh, who can get uh, two or three in that series? That's a big, big weekend series, I think, for Jackson State more so than FAMU. Yeah, and we'll get a little more into the matchups this weekend at each of the games. Uh, but let's get into the top five teams in the West Division and see what you think about this at this point and if any team has an edge as they try to close out the season uh, for seeding purposes and winning respective divisions. In this case, uh, you had Arkansas Palm Bluff that made a move. They got two out of three from Southern. Last weekend that we kind of talked about, as you look up, stunned a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, but it makes things just a little more interesting. Not that much, but we'll see. Uh, to have a little fun. Uh, Arkansas Pablo sits at 5-16. and 16, Southern at 10-8. and eight. Prairie View, uh, that lost two out of three on the road to Gramlin, 
in the third position at 13 and seven, Texas Southern 13 and six, and Grambling State at 16 and five. Again, we'll talk a little bit about the matchups because as we set up these divisions, you see what that looks like. Anything stand out to you thus far in terms of what is happening in the conference races, specifically in the Western division as the breakdowns before we get into these weekend matchups? I was going to say I thought Grambling kind of got a foothold with regards to the Swag West, and I t- take a look at the standards. You get, uh, you know, the uh, Texas Southern is a, a game back in the loss column. So big weekend series, I think, for Grambling and Texas Southern. And I'm keeping an eye on Prairie View and Southern uh, uh, because it's been Lego blocks all season between uh, first and second and third with regards to Grambling. Texas Southern and Prairie View, that kick that we normally see with Southern in the second half of the season just hasn't happened yet. Well, let's get into some of those matchups. You alluded to some that you want to keep your eyes on, so let's talk about them at this time specifically. Let's stay in the West since we're right there, and you kind of named those. Uh, You have Prairie View uh, at Southern in Baton Rouge. been a tough place to play usually. Uh, to some degree this year, but just last weekend, a couple of weeks ago, we saw that Bramlin went in there and took two out of three. Uh, Prairie View lost one, but they played tough, and both of those games were one-run game uh, when they played the two games on that Tuesday there. So Alcorn has come in there and got a game in terms of what takes place. So it's fascinating to see about usually a very tough place to play. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting in terms of that matchup. Prairie View and Southern, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, you know, I pay attention to those Friday pitching matchups, and and I look forward to uh, Prairie View throwing Michael Dews. He's one of the top pitchers uh, in in the Southwestern Athletic Conference in terms of uh, innings pitch and strikeouts. So uh, it'll be uh, very interesting to see uh, if any if either team gets that momentum that kick from the Friday night matchup, and let's see if we have any sort of good. Friday pitching performance like we saw this past week because just quite honestly it's been a, a, a couple of weeks now but we hadn't seen good Friday performances from pitching. The other big matchup you alluded to this which has me fascinated is right here in our backyard so we'll get a chance to get over there to McGregor Park to get our eyes on Grambling and actually see them play and see what the Texas Southern uh, the bats are doing well so this is a feature match uh, to two teams that are playing really good baseball right now. Uh, they have had historic matchups over the years and so big time matchup i'm interested in this with grambling coming out on the road to houston a lot of grambling fans around here so they'll be deep in the park um so you'll have a lot of fans a lot of noise out there i'm interested in this matchup uh, as you said grambling is trying to get a little bit of the edge and stake uh their place in that western division but texas southern they always have those late season runs they started off hot a little bit of trepidation in the middle, but here they go on it run at the end of the season. What do you say about this Grambling Texas Southern matchup in baseball at McGregor Park Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? I'll get over there Friday. We'll see each other on Saturday. And then again, we get those matchups on Sunday. Uh, Friday night, uh, we get a chance to see Abraham DeLeon, one of the top pitchers uh, in the league uh, for Texas Southern, 2.59 ERA, and he has good stuff. He's one of the top pitchers. Uh, in the league, in terms of batters uh, striking out, uh, he strike uh, batter in terms of batters looking uh, has 42 strikeouts in regards to that. Uh, he also eats up a lot of innings. So uh, the Friday night pitching matchup uh, looks like uh, hopefully be Abraham DeLeon uh, going up against either Lorenzo Peterson or Connor Rudy for Bramlin. Uh, very interesting. Both of those pitchers for Bramlin, they've eaten up a lot of innings this past uh, this season, both uh, in the top five in terms of uh, pitching. Uh, in the swag. So very interesting with regards to that uh, Friday matchup, but the rest of the weekend series, uh, whose bats come to play? You know, traditionally, you know, Graham has those sluggers uh, that, that really <laughs> knock the ball out of the park, but Texas Southern, they're number two uh, in the swag in hitting. So, uh, and they have one of the top hitter uh, in the swag uh, in Adderley. So it'll be very interesting to see what Texas Southern and Gramlin get into this weekend. Big matchup. Uh, and it's, you know, I expect for it to McGregor Park to be rocking this weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to take our bag and a ball. We're going to go on the road. Specifically, you got Jackson State traveling on their buses, getting down to Tallahassee. Uh, MU in that matchup, always a lively matchup. Uh, you have a team with uh, with the Rattlers that are kind of soaking in wounds. 
uh, losing uh, those games, if you would, to Alabama State. Uh, can they rebound and get it done? This is a matter of what are your thoughts in terms of Jackson State that feel a little better about themselves, getting two out of three from both of them Cookman uh, in terms of those matchups. Um, what do you think about this weekend with Jackson State going on the road to Tallahassee? Well, you touched on it, Doc. I mean, in terms of feeling a little bit better about themselves, it's been a tough season for Jackson State baseball. Uh, they've been looking up, quite honestly, at Bethune-Cookman, FAMU, and Alabama State. Uh, but that was big, to get two out of three against Bethune-Cookman. Uh, can they carry over that momentum uh, uh, to take on this Florida a and squad, looking to bounce back? Uh, from that uh, weekend sweep against Alabama State. So uh, this is a really interesting matchup. Can Jackson State bring those bats and get some things going with regards to guys like Ty Hill, who's second in swag and hitting? He's batting over 400, batting 411. Uh, and, and you also have Daniel Bannon for Jackson State. He's bad at 367. So Jackson State really needs to hit the ball well this weekend, going up against some pretty good family pitching. I love it. I love it. Let's go a little bit off the radar. Alabama State, they're getting votes in the top 25. Deservedly so, playing some good baseball. Uh, took the two toughest teams at the time, second, second uh, third place, uh, in terms of just getting the series, but sweeping those series two in a row. So, yeah, they're playing some great baseball, getting big wins during the week as well, in terms of what that looks like. So, uh, but you got a Mississippi Valley State that's pretty fit about themselves as well. They've been sneaking up with folks, you know, getting it here and there. I ask this differently. Can Valley get a game? I know the question is about the series. I don't know about that. But uh, Alabama State is the road. Uh, can they get one? If you get the one, then you get a little greedy. You want to take two and surprise the world in terms of taking a series from Alabama State, which hasn't been done this year in terms of conference play uh, uh, for the most part. What do you thoughts in terms of this match? Hadn't Valley, didn't they take one from Alabama State earlier? I mean, or, or if I'm not mistaken, didn't I have to check? I, I thought, if I'm not mistaken, because it caught me off guard, I thought Valley did a, at least get one game from Alabama State earlier this season. Yeah, I'll check on that as you're talking about the because I think that's a great question. Let's get into that. And I can verify in terms of series because I do think Bethune Cookman earlier uh, uh, gave them a run for their money. Uh, but Bethune Cookman was able to get just one win they, um, in terms of their early series. And we talked about the second time they got swept. The Valley series, Valley uh, did get a game, close one, yeah. seven, six uh, Valley game. Here's the fun thing about Valley, and, and AD talked about it, especially on this level. Uh, if we can, if if they can get some guys on base, uh, they become real fun. Uh, they are tops in the swag in terms of stolen bases. They they swiped 123 bases out of 160 attempts thus far. So they're playing a much better brand of baseball. And if you're asking whether Valley can get one uh, uh, or, 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 or this weekend against Alabama State, yeah, uh, they have a puncher chance of getting one because uh, they play a fun brand of baseball. Once they get on base, uh, they're looking to take off and get some bags and get some things going, and it does. It speeds you up. You tend to make uh, errors uh, with teams like that. So anything can happen uh, when you're talking about uh, Mississippi Valley trying to get one out of three this weekend. Yep. And that earlier series, first series of conference play, but Thorne Cookman did take two out of three. They were at home uh, in terms of that. So Alabama State has the overall series because with the sweep, that means they've taken four out of two. Uh, but they have lost the series, but they've been hot ever since that first weekend of the SWAT. So fascinating to see what's going on there in terms of those matchups. We'll get into uh, softball and MEAC updates in terms of what that took place. We gave you those updates on Tuesday. So we'll call it a close today. Uh, wanted to give some updates here and say thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share uh, our podcast with your friends and colleagues in terms of the update of the game between Miles College and Kentucky State. Miles College still leads 5-4 to four in terms of what's going on in terms of that matchup. I'm Dr. Kenyatta Caville, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports. With Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, Mike Washington is out on the side. Again, we want to thank A.D. Drew coming in and giving us an update of what's taking 
going on across the board out of the SIC and CIAA in terms of softball there as well. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. You can catch us at Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. As you know, it's Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. We look forward to discussing the latest of the news next week. Follow me, Dr. Yannicka Ville, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-B-I-L. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. That's Facebook and YouTube, Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you follow Charles as he continues to give you updates and news. In terms of what's out there, obviously the ONG Strike Zone every Wednesday, Carlos Brown show on Saturday, and then again with AD Drew, Brian and AD Drew, or a sports wrap on Sunday uh, to get all your latest news in terms of HBC Sport Around. Download my JV and my BCSN uh, as we get you going. Dream big and continue to move forward. We will look, talk to you soon. Make sure you check out the SIAC matchups, BCSN. We'll give you all the latest news there, the big matchup as you close up on the tournament. Great film as they did the track and field champions for the SIEC last weekend earlier. This weekend you had the softball champions that culminated with Edward Waters. Kudos to them. Uh, but, again, dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon, Charles. Of course. Lecture, Charles. Dismiss. Dismiss. <laughs> oh, it's coming there. Oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>